Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. In this podcast, you'll learn actionable strategies to deal with infertility from Dr. Michael Chapman, or Prof as he's affectionately known. Prof is the co-founder of IVF Australia and is a leading Australian infertility specialist who has helped over 3,000 couples realise their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. That first cry of a baby born after the long journey of IVF remains one of the most beautiful experiences in the world. As an obstetrician and an IVF specialist, I've had the privilege of experiencing this over many thousands of times in my long career, but I still remain moved by each baby's first cry. It signifies the end of a long journey and the beginning of a new life. This is Professor Michael Chapman, co-founder of IVF Australia and host of the IVF Journey podcast. Thanks for tuning in. To access all the previous episodes, head over to my website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. You'll also be able to find the various services that we provide at IVF Australia. So today we're going to talk about polycystic ovarian syndrome. This is the commonest endocrine pathology that women suffer in the reproductive age. It's a cause of infertility, it's a cause of excessive hair and acne, it's a cause of irregular periods, and in the longer term is associated with a higher rate of sugar problems with diabetes and potentially heart disease in older patients. The cause for this remains unknown. As I tell my medical students, someone is going to win a Nobel Prize when they work out what the underlying cause is. Recent studies perhaps are getting closer to that goal of finding the cause of polycystic ovarian syndrome. Most of this work, however, um, has been done in mice and unfortunately what happens in mice doesn't necessarily happen in humans but it will be interesting to see that two or three of these new ideas, when they're transcribed into women and using them as the experimental animal, whether we can improve the situation with polycystic ovarian syndrome and its problems. So the first bit of work I'd like to talk about, it comes from the University of New South Wales, where we have been working with mice on a model that tests whether the hormone imbalance arises from the ovary, from the adrenal gland, from the fat tissue, or in the brain. And Kirsty Waters, the senior scientist working on this project, has shown with her PhD student that almost certainly the underlying cause for polycystic ovaries 
relates to androgen effects on the brain. Those androgen receptor issues are likely to be the underlying cause. This work has led to ideas about drugs that block the androgen receptors and potentially therefore improve the condition and perhaps even prevent it. This would be consistent with the epidemiological evidence that the maturing brain around the time of puberty is where the problem occurs. Some of my own work way back 30 years ago, we looked at women with polycystic ovaries and asked them about their childhood and their puberty and the events that occurred to them. And women with polycystic ovaries certainly had a lot more life unsettling events where their increased steroids due to stress from the adrenal gland were more likely to be present and their action on the brain as the brain matures as it goes through puberty uh, may well be when the damage is done. That the environment is preset to have irregular hormone levels and therefore irregular periods and infertility. So we wait and see whether we can adapt the work that's being done in mice to humans and see whether we can actually come up with something new. The University of New South Wales is working with a group in Edinburgh who've got a couple of drugs that they think may have an impact. The next bit of work that's um, <clears throat> recently been published, it relates to a hormone called anti-malarian hormone. And again, in mice, they've shown that high levels of AMH predisposed to the, the children of mice baby mice, <laughs> to, uh, to have polycystic ovarian syndrome. So the theory is, particularly in the patients where polycystic ovaries is present in the mother and then in the daughter, this may be the mechanism for transmission, that the high anti-malarian hormone levels affect the baby while it's still inside the uterus and predispose in the long term to polycystic ovarian syndrome. They have shown that if they can suppress those levels using drugs that are used in normal IVF. In mice, it certainly reverses the polycystic ovarian syndrome and it may lead to new cures. So this is all great news that, that we're moving forward in finding a cause. Both those experiments that I've described show us a little more about why it happens, but it's still not totally proven. Once poly, what we do know is that once polycystic ovarian syndrome has set up, it is a vicious circle that the pituitary gland produces abnormal levels of the hormone LH, which in turn stimulates the ovaries to produce more male hormone than it should, which explains why there are those symptoms of hair growth and spots. In doing that, extra testosterone also halts the growth of follicles and they begin to grow and then they stop and that's what causes the cystic appearance of the ovaries. They're actually not cysts at all, they are follicles that have got some other way towards maturity but then have been arrested by the excessive male hormone levels. We know that. Those excessive male hormone levels travel around in the blood and polycystic ovarian syndrome women generally are overweight, have more fat and in the fat tissue, there are enzymes that convert that testosterone to estrogen. And estrogen feeding back 
in the bloodstream up to the brain tells the pituitary to keep on producing lots of LH. So it's a vicious circle that's hard to interrupt. But why set up in the first place? And that's what those experiments that I've described today may be giving us some hint. The, cu the current standard therapy is really to deal with the symptoms. So with hirsutism and acne, we give anti-androgen therapy. Even the contraceptive pill, if it's the right one, can be helpful in that regard. It's not treating the cause, it's just treating the symptoms. It's interfering with the male hormone activity that's coming from the ovary. For irregular periods, we can give tablets to bring a period on on a monthly basis, even the pill. It's quite good in that situation of giving women regular small periods rather than irregular heavy periods. Again, it's not treating the problem, the underlying problem, it's just treating the symptoms. And in relation to infertility, we are able to stimulate ovulation, make an egg with either of two drugs, clomiphene or letrozole, and they're successful in bringing on ovulation in about 80% of women with polycystic ovarian syndrome who are having trouble getting pregnant. After six months of treatment, more than 50% of couples will be pregnant on those hormone treatments. So it's a relatively simple cure for a infertility problem. They don't usually need IVF. If that fails in that last 20%, we can go on and directly stimulate the ovaries with FSH injections like we do for IVF, but at much lower doses. Or there is an operative management albeit it's only short term, of doing keyhole surgery and burning away some of the ovary. That reduces the male hormone levels in the ovary, therefore allows the ovaries to respond better to the normal hormones and ovulation occurs. Pregnancy rates of around 50% in the next six months after such treatment have been reported. However, after six months, the chances of pregnancy once again decline as the hormones take over once again. The organisation of the hormones or the disorganisation of the hormones that has been present throughout their life again takes over and the ovaries return to their original form. So we can treat the symptoms reasonably successfully but what we can't do is stop the problem occurring in the first place and the mice work that's been done in both those experiments can lead us to believe that into the future we may be able to stop polycystic ovarian syndrome in susceptible women. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.